When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Oh, my goodness. Well, sometimes the biggest laughs are the ones that happen off air. Kellen Kennedy, my good friend, back at the studio. Six minutes left in the second period. Boston, Washington. They are tied at two. After the first period, Predators and Hurricanes tied at one. Forsberg and Teravainen, the goal scorers, And coming up in about an hour, it's St. Louis at Colorado. The game's tomorrow. In the afternoon, it's the Flames and the Canucks in a regular season game. And and then the Islanders play the Penguins. Lightning play the Panthers again. We're going to have Randy Moeller on the show in half an hour from the Panthers broadcast booth. What a beauty yesterday. The Wild will play the Golden Knights. On Wednesday, of course, it is the Jets and the Oilers. Five o'clock face-off show here on 630 Shed. The game will start at 7. We had Jack Michaels on the show, who's going to be calling the games here on 630 Chet on the Oilers Radio Network. TS writes in and says, uh, who is calling the games on television? It is going to be Harner Ryan Singh calling the Jets and Oilers series, and Chris Cuthbert will be doing the Jets and the Canadians. So uh, there you have it, 780-496-0063. So what's going on with the Winnipeg Jets? Uh, They were certainly jockeying with the Oilers for second place. Uh, At one point in the season, it even looked like they had a decent shot at finishing first. And then at one point uh, late in the season, were they even going to be able to finish third? Well, they did finish third, and they will play the Oilers. But if you think a team should go into the playoffs hot, then you probably don't think much of the Winnipeg Jets. But what's going on there from CGOB in Winnipeg? It's my buddy Jamie Thomas on the line. Jamie, how are you doing? Reader, what's up, buddy? This is about time we got here because I was tired of the regular season. I don't know about you. Well, it, uh, yeah, I mean, it, here, you know, it's funny. I did an interview earlier today with Sean Fitzgerald from The Athletic. You've probably know yeah. Sean, awesome yeah. guy. Okay. And yeah. he, he, he's talking to some people across the country from the Canadian division, and he says, what are you going to remember a few years from now about the Canadian division? And I was like, geez, I don't know. But, and I guess the playoffs will be a big part of it. But I said... I think I'll remember that there were no tight races. Like I no. thought if on January 12th, I thought we're going to go into the final five games of the regular season and maybe a couple playoff teams will be decided, but two or three teams yeah. will be jockeying for first and second and three teams might be competing for the final two playoff spots. But like r- there wasn't much suspense except for Montreal and Winnipeg sort of for third place. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the only other suspense was what Connor McDavid was going to get to 100 points. In my opinion, it was it was it was really dry. Uh, I found like I thought the same as you. I'm like the hockey is going to be fantastic. We're going to be fighting. There's going to be playoff spots on the line the last week of the regular season, and there was. It just wasn't as exciting of a finish. It was just kind of bleh, the way it all ended. So I think a lot like when Winnipeg at one point they were 16 points up on uh, Calgary for a playoffs for a playoff spot. So I'm like, I think at that point they almost the mentality became 
uh, okay, we're in. Let's see how we can fix this and do this. And then they started getting away from what they were doing to be successful and what they ha- how they had to play to be successful in, in the playoffs. And it kind of went downhill from, for them from there. And, uh, and I think that was pretty much the attitude from the top four teams in, in the conference, or sorry, in the, in the North Division. It's just like, oh, we're in. So now what? And no one was really pressuring Toronto for a bit. You know, Winnipeg got there for a bit, same as Edmonton, and then the Leafs blew that door wide open. The same thing with Edmonton for second spot in the division. So I'm just glad it's here. I think, you know, it feels like Super Bowl week because we're, you know, the Jets practice again tomorrow, and then they they fly to Edmonton. It does feel, it totally feel like Super Bowl week because it's just been so long since they played a game that really matters. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure lots of people that have watched you know, the, again, the game in our country and, you know, there's lots of, you know, looking for some bright spot here, the way the lockdowns are going across our country. And uh, hopefully the playoffs uh, kicking off on Wednesday in Edmonton will do just that. So when it, and I, was it three of the last 11, I think the Jets won, was it three and eight down yeah. the stretch or three and nine, yeah. something like that? Three and yeah, eight. Well, they were one and they were one and nine, but they won their last two games kind of helped out. So okay. three, yeah, three and nine down the stretch there. It, it, you know, it was bleak there for a bit, and uh, the exact same thing I told you, that this, they're trying to play the game that they need to play to be successful in the postseason, and it took a while to get into that, that mode. So for them to come out of that, and I know it's two games late against Vancouver, who's pretty much playing up the string, and then Toronto is, you know, wasn't, didn't, didn't dress Mitch Marner. And that made the, uh, the it kind of there wasn't a big win. Let's just say that. But it was important for them to win those two games on home ice. And Connor Hellebuck let a stinker in the first goal against Toronto. And you're sitting there thinking, okay, oh boy, what's going on here? And then he was brilliant the rest of the way. So there was little little battles and little things that they won to get their confidence going into the postseason. The last thing you want to do is go, you know, be one and nine going into the playoffs. It just doesn't work. And yes, it was a modest two-game win streak, and the opponents weren't the greatest at the time, and the way things went, I just I described. But still, winning and feeling good, especially on home ice, uh, was very important for the Winnipeg Jets. And I, I think it's a, they got to where they need to be, and they'll be successful, I think, to start this this playoffs. All right, here's the question: How's Nick Ehlers? What's that? How's Nick Ehlers? Nick Ehlers is getting better. He was still wearing the uh, the jersey, um, the yellow jersey, non-contact. But he took part in power play um, drills today, so that to me is a good sign. But no one's leading on to anything about how he's if he's going to be playing ready for game one. But it's it's been a long time. Uh, he, the energy he brings on the ice is certainly not uh, you know you can't equate it. And for the fact that Blake Wheeler said today is the most electric player that he brings in the dress room and on the ice it's hard to equal to as well so there's lots of people hoping he's there and one of the reasons why the Jets power play dried up is because he's not on the second unit he kind of hangs around the half wall and then comes up high and takes passes rip shots off from the top of the face-off circle so you lose him in that second unit then everything focuses on the, t- on the top unit and it, it got stale there for a bit so without Nick Healers in the second power play it kind of makes things really tough and no question his ability at five on five is you know, I think outside of Connor Hellebuck, Nikolai Ehlers is, was the Jets' best player this year. That's 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 not a revelation or anything like that. So the fact that he's been practicing and then took part of the power play says to me he's getting closer, but no word yet if he's going to be playing on, on Wednesday night. Okay, well, that's a big piece of suspense there. And uh, Rob Brown yeah. has said that, that he thought he was their best player this season. Jamie Thomas joining us from CGOB in Winnipeg. Okay, I'm going to ask you this because, as you know, Rob and I, 
do the uh, call-in show after the game. Yep. I do this show every night. There isn't a game. And, I, you know, Oilers fans are generally happy, but you know what it's like. You get nervous, <laughs> and sometimes you only see the flaws on your team, and you don't see the yeah. strengths. And, I, yeah. I, you know, we were on Saturday after the game, we were getting, well, what if this happens? I said, okay, you know, fair enough. But I said, people in Winnipeg right now are worried about this. So yeah. either from your standpoint or the Jets fan base perspective, what are their couple of biggest worries about facing the Oilers? Okay, so shutting down Connor McDavid and and right, right there, yeah. The Jets. And you know what? I you, the last two days, and I feel bad for everybody, right? Because you know, with Zoom, ordinarily, I'm sure you know your listeners realize that ordinarily we get to go to the dressing room, you get to talk to whoever you want. But now it's a, it's just a couple four guys, and they're getting drilled with the same questions every day because you just can't go around the room and work things as well as you can. So it's still. You know, Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley had a real tough time. I, the last time Winnipeg was in Edmonton, they got lit up. There's no, like, remember right. Blake Wheeler throwing the puck in the, in the stands and everything afterwards? That is as frustrating as I've seen him in quite some time. And there's been some frustrating moments uh, for Blake Wheeler in the time I've been covering the Jets. So it's just, they, they play so poorly against them there. And then in Winnipeg, there was one game where they Adam Lowry was you know going up against him. Lowry's no slouch in that department in the shutdown role, and they did a great job shutting down Connor McDavid five on five. But then the Jets took six penalties and two power play goals, and they win that one. So there was a lot of frustration after that one. So it's just the question repeats over and over again: How are you going to slow them down? What are you going to do? So I think five on five is a big concern. And they're not going to. They don't want to take penalties. But the way the NHL yeah, it gets so intense, <laughs> there hasn't been emotion flowing in quite some time. I think there's going to be a, a few trips to the penalty box here in the first couple of games before they figure things out. So they're worried They're worried about shutting down Edmonton's power play. And the other one that comes up often is Mike Smith. Like, you know, the, the Jets had some success against Edmonton earlier in the year, but that was Mikko Koskinen in that. And now with Mike Smith in goal, it's how do you shut him down dumping the puck in and he's, he's a nightmare. He's like, he's so good with the puck. And I think it's as close to Ron Hexels is going to get. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Um, they're, of course, trying to figure out ways to dump the puck in. So their biggest concern is now Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And how are they going to solve Mike's... So there's your questions. There's your answers, oh. my friend. All right. I'll ask you one more, Jamie. Um, was there any... With with the Shifley benching and even the Hellebuck poll, and I know he was having a, yeah. a bad night. Did that did that linger? Like, is there anything going on with the players and Paul Maurice now, or do you think they're over that hump? I think they're over that hump. And I think the thing is, is that Paul addressed that right away the next day. You know, he wants Connor Hellebuck to be like that. Doesn't want to change his personality. You know, Mark Shifley clearly is the competitor. He does not like the idea of being, you know, benched for any time. And the way the the, the importance of that game, because they're playing Toronto, um, he felt that they, he shouldn't be benched because of the quality of the opponent that night. So 
I think that's water on the bridge now. The top line is going now, Reed, and that's another thing that I should have mentioned in, in those final two games is that, you know, they've taken away Mark Scheifele and Blake Wood have been played together for an extensive period. But Paul Maurice had always said eventually he's going to go back to them because they're their number one line. They've had success, remember, 2018, and that's, you know, that's going to generally going to be the line that runs up against Connor McDavid. Uh, and Leon Drysaddle's line, and whatever if the two ever end up together. So, and then Adam Lowry's line on top of that. But now they're going again. That's confident because Kyle Connor had gone with like ten games without a goal, and then he's got three in his last two. So I think that, that all that that benching, and then of course Connor Hellebuck getting pulled was that's that's over now. And now you get this is now the the titles here. You you have your ultimate challenge now as Mark Shifley he wants to be talked about in the same breath as Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby, which he does, uh, this is your time to rise to the occasion and either make it difficult for Connor McDavid because you're in the Oilers end or be a part of the solution of slowing him down five on five. So there's a there's a lot of things here that you talk about and you believe is going to be what's important for the Jets, and then you wonder where Pierre Luc Dubois fits in all this. The Jets are a lot deeper up the out the middle. Clearly, that that's that's a big conversation piece too. Because you remember last year, Shifley gets hurt in the first game against Calgary, then they're done. This time right. they've got Paul Stastny and they have Pierre Luc Dubois up the middle. Adam Lowry as well, but Adam Lowry is not a scoring guy like those those other two. So they are deeper up the middle. Uh, I think they're a lot more stable on the back end now too, and. To me, if you're asking me if where the big issue is, I think Connor Hellebuck has been outplayed by Marc-Andre Fleury in 2018. He was outplayed by Jordan Biddington in 2019. And last year, he was outplayed by David Riddick. He has to outplay Mike Smith for the Jets to win this series, flat out. That's he, If he's a, he's a Vezina Trophy winner, now you got to play like one. So the, I think that he a little bit more heat is on him right now. Yeah, well, it's funny you should mention that because that's one thing Oilers are worried about, that Hellbucks all of a sudden you yeah. know, could have a 970 for five games. <laughs> that, yeah, be I it. know, and he, and he had that in Toronto. They were being – they go in that three-game series in Toronto, I think it was back in March, and he was a brilliant in the first two games. I think he stopped like 78 of 81 shots. It was it was ridiculous how good he was. That's what they – they need him to be like that. And for whatever reason – he just hasn't been like that against Edmonton this year. And he is, you know, coming into the season, he had been, you know, the green kryptonite for Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers. He had been brilliant in the games against the Oilers over his career. So, um, you know, it's been a year like none other. I don't think we have to go into that, what 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 it was for Connor McDavid, but it was especially that way against the, the Jets with 22 points in the nine games they went up against each other. All right. Jamie, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm sure we're going to connect throughout this series. You are a true gentleman. You're full of information. Love having you, buddy. Enjoy the series. We'll talk again soon. Yeah, I wish we were there, buddy, but uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Right on. That is Jamie Thomas checking in from CGO Bay in Winnipeg. So no definitive answer about Nick Ehlers, if he's going to participate in game one, though he has been out there working with the power play units. And uh, it's, it's, you know, from a Jets perspective and a Winnipeg fan base perspective, what are you worried about? Well, of course, shutting down Leon and Connor, but also Mike Smith and his ability to handle the puck. How do you get through that? That was pretty interesting. All right. You can chime in at 780-496-0063. That is the hotline presented by CertainTeed, professional grade building materials. The second period is over in Washington. Still 2-2 Bruins and Capitals. This is Inside Sports on Chet. 
right, there's the Nuge ready to rock and roll against the Winnipeg Jets. Just talking to Jamie Thomas about how the Jets are concerned about Mike Smith's ability to handle the puck. Here's what Darnell Nurse had to say about how his goalie's puck handling helps the defenseman. Yeah, obviously it's like having a third defenseman back there, so I think it, it adjusts. When teams forecheck, you, you can't just automatically assume that uh, you take away the, the 2D and, and you're going to be okay. Smitty uh, not only plays it over to you and then puts you in good spots to, to make the next pass, but he also can, can bypass you and get up to the winger, sometimes even the centerman. So um, just just his ability to get out there and play the puck, I think it, it adds a wrinkle when uh, when another team comes in and, and tries to forecheck our team. And uh, as a D-man, it's always, uh, it's always nice uh, when, when you have a guy that can make plays like that back there. A lot of people talking about Mike Smith, but here's what Smith has to say about his teammates and the club's biggest improvements this season. A maturity amongst the group. I think there's been uh, there's been pl- some players in our locker room take huge steps, not only on the ice, but off the ice as, as, a, as a leadership group. I think we talked about it all season long. Uh, this group just found ways to win games all year, and that's what you have to do in playoffs. And I think that's a, that's a huge confidence builder for our team is – is we were down in games this year and came back. We were we played in tight games where you know every play mattered and and found ways to win those games. And that's exactly how it's going to be, you know, come Wednesday. So I think um, you know, no, I know talking to players here in the past that we 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 won some games this year that in the past it it didn't happen. So I definitely feel there's a confidence amongst our group that we can beat any team. And we can play in close games and we can, you know, be down and come back and we have the firepower to do that. So I think it's uh, it's an exciting time of year and um, a group that's grown a lot in the, in the last two years that I've been here. And you can feel, a, you know, a sense of urgency and a sense of excitement going into Wednesday and hopefully it all comes together for us. That is Mike Smith hoping it comes together for the Oilers starting Wednesday night. Okay, we'll update your playoff scoreboard and we'll talk to Randy Moeller about that wild one between the Panthers and the Lightning. Here's what's going on in the NHL. The Bruins and Capitals are tied 2-2 after two. Halfway through the second period, it's 2-2. Predators and Hurricanes, Halla and Jordan Stahl have scored in the second period and getting underway in about half an hour. It'll be the Blues and the Avalanche. Puck is in the lightning far corner. Point couldn't clear. Hilden Weger, right point shot blocked by McDonough. Up ice. Here's a breakaway. Brandon Point alone. Backhand shot. Score! Brandon Point! Brandon Point! Four lightning with 114 left to go. That is Dave Mishkin with the call on the Tampa Bay Lightning Radio Network. Braden Point's late game winner in game one between the Lightning and the Panthers yesterday. It was an absolute beauty for his perspective on that. He's the longtime play-by-play voice of the Florida Panthers on Bali Sports Florida. He's from Alberta. It is Randy Moeller. Randy, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Great, great. Playoffs have started and uh, couldn't be happier. Well, I know the Panthers didn't get the result that they wanted, but man, oh man, what a way to start that series. Oilers goaltender Mike Smith spoke after practice today and he called it one of the best games he's ever watched. You must be hearing a lot of that. Yeah, it was it was fun to broadcast. Uh, th- this this rivalry has been building up now for a few years. It's just unfortunate that 
out of the last 27, 28 years that um, both these teams weren't good at the same time. And one was good and the other one wasn't. And then you go back and forth or whatever. And of course, uh, Tampa Bay's been uh, one of the league's elite over the last five, six, seven years. And the Panthers have um, finally caught up. They finally caught up and, and they know that they can play against them. And and it, it's turned into, you can't have a rivalry if one team is going to squash the other team every time they meet. Well, that's a different case now. The Panthers, uh, uh, they dominated for the most part the season series. And uh, so there was a lot of rivalry and, and talk and trash talking going back and forth. And that makes it healthy. It's been really fun. The intensity has been outstanding. Uh, even going back then uh, the first game in this playoffs, they, they met the last two games of the regular season. Panthers outscored them nine to one, won both of the games. But that means nothing. As I say, that and $6.50 will get you a coffee at the team hotel. So... Going into game one, we knew that Tampa's lineup was going to be different. Stamkos and, and Kucherov came in. Hedman came in. He didn't play the last couple of games in the regular season. And that's all the difference that you make. They were lethal on the power play. They scored three power play goals and uh, got the game winner from Braden Point. What a player he is. And uh, that's all she wrote. But now the pressure's solely on the Panthers. They've lost home ice advantage. And they've got to win. They've got to win on Tuesday night. That's just, uh, it's, because it, you you can't be 0-2 and, and going back to Tampa Bay for the next two games. Well, my first reaction to what you said is that better be either really good coffee or a really large serving of coffee for that price. But, but you're, paying, you're paying for the real estate. That's what yeah. the problem is. <laughs> the, the, the Panthers... Yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of, and, and again, of course, I don't see a ton of them, but you and I talk usually two or three times a year, and we talk about the players, and, and I've enjoyed wa watching a lot of those players. And then they added Bobrovsky and Quenville for last season. So is some of what they've done this season, and we'll see how the series goes, but are, did they have the regular season that they were supposed to have last year, or am I oversimplifying it? Well, I think the easiest way to answer that is uh, there's a, a lot of um, overhaul. If you look at the Panthers lineup uh, in the first game of the playoffs here against Tampa Bay, going back to the beginning of last year, only five players were on that roster. Over, they they changed almost half the roster going into this year in the offseason and that. So it's been a big transformation, and it's been a very positive one. The players that they brought in have really made a difference, and not only star players, but role players, and they've, they've uh, added to the depth of their organization and um, no further than, you know, Sam Bennett, what he's done. Unfortunately, he just, unfortunately, he's going to be suspended for the next game over a hit from behind in game number one. That's going to put the Panthers in a big hole because he's played a huge part in the Panthers' success ever since he was, he was acquired um, at that trade deadline. He's been sensational and really solidify the second centerman position and uh he's performed very well and and even in game number one he was he he was right at the top of his game and had a couple points yeah yeah he's been quite a story i think a lot of flames fans uh, tearing their hair out seeing what he's been able to do for them for sure uh aaron ekblad went down huge loss since he went down who fills in those minutes i mean he's a, he's a he's a great defenseman so how have they adjusted with him out and still been quite successful mckenzie weger 
Mackenzie Weger was Aaron Eckblad's uh, partner since day one of this starting the season. And they both got off to phenomenal starts and both have elevated their play. While Aaron Eckblad went down, everybody was saying, you know, it's going to be doom and gloom. But what happened was that Mackenzie Weger even notched his game up another notch. And, and he will get some consideration for the Norris Trophy. That's how well he played. He led all NHL defensemen in the regular season in even strength points. And that's all you have to say. And then his defense was 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 uh, very sound as well. What they did was, and this was probably the steal. You could talk about all the other transactions that the Panthers uh, have done over the last year or so since Bill Zito was named the general manager. They got Gustav Forsling off of waivers from Carolina. He's a top two pair defenseman. And he's and as soon as Aaron Eckblad went down, they put Forsling with uh, with uh, Mackenzie Weger. They played 23 minutes a night. Uh, one's a plus 29. The other one's a, like a plus 18. And they're getting points and playing well defensively. What a revelation that's been. Gustav Forsling, not a household name, but he's played extremely well for the Panthers and fit in like a glove playing with Mackenzie Weger. That's who's replaced. But you, you can't replace uh, an Aaron Eckblad. He was having a Norris trophy type of, uh, season and it was a big blow when he went down. But I was, if you ask me if I was surprised, well, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at anything anymore. Wayne Gretzky got traded. Um, but I was somewhat, somewhat surprised that uh, the Panthers were able to play the way they did. The last 14 games of the regular season, the Panthers were 11, two and one. They had the best uh, winning uh, percentage out of any team in the NHL. So that just shows that the guys that uh, really stepped up. And then then you got the superstars like Alexander Barkov and Huberto. Again, amazing, amazing seasons. Again, they really uh, upped their game and, and uh, the offense and what they've been able to do. And Sergei Bobrovsky's been solid in goal. And Chris Drieger challenging him all season long for the number one goalie position. And I think that internal competition was very positive. And uh, you add all this stuff together, and then, of course, the, the great coaching of Joel Quenville. And this team is being played, or the, this team plays now with what Joel Quenville talked about when he was hired at a fast pace, um, uh, a, a game but with the pace that they play and the transition game. And we all know, Reed, you know better than anybody how the game has continued to evolve. It's all about speed, it's all about offense, it's all about puck possession. Yeah, I've seen a fast guy play a few games here with the Oilers for sure. <laughs> Randy Moeller joining us on Inside Sports, play-by-play voice of the Florida Panthers. Okay, thanks for that perspective on the Panthers in the series. Before I let you go, you always know I like to get a story. And speaking of heated rivalries, I believe you played several games in one of the best of all time with the Nordiques and the Canadians. Were you in that big, was it a pregame brawl? Were you in that one? No, no, that, that was, yeah, that was the Valentine's Day massacre. Right. Uh, oh, yeah, I was right in the middle of that. Yeah. I fought Chris Nyland a couple times, and, and uh, oh, yeah, that, that got really nasty. That was the one where Louis Slager um, uh, punched uh, Jean Amel, and away he went down, and, and uh, everybody was fighting everybody, and... And that, yeah, that was that was uh, that was quite the series. We ended up losing that series. Won the year before, won the year after, but we ended up losing that series. But uh, oh boy, that was uh, that was a nasty one. That was uh, that's the greatest rivalry I think I've ever heard of. Uh, 
um, with Quebec. And you know, Reed, you, you can remember back then, I mean, the, the way the fans were as far as Quebec City from Montreal, you know, three hours away. One team's owned by the, the a brewery. The other team's owned by the, the competitive brewery. And it just went on and on and on. It was, it was wild back in those days. But it was fun. Every game was a war. Every game was playoff hockey, whether it was a uh, meeting for preseason in three rivers, uh, there were going to be wars. And uh, I, I miss those days. I still got the scars on my face uh, from all those battles, but that's what it's all about. Yeah, fun days for sure. Well, Randy, I know you're busy, and these playoffs are off to an incredible start, and I'm sure we'll we'll check in with you here, especially if the Panthers keep uh, keep going like they did through much of the regular season. We always appreciate your time, man. Well, thanks for having me on, Reed. Randy Moeller, always good to catch up with him, does the play-by-play for the Florida Panthers on Bali Sports Florida as they suffered a heartbreaking loss in Game 1 to the Lightning, and they're going to be back at it tomorrow. That was pretty much everything you would want from a playoff game. I, I mean, I guess it didn't have overtime, but the other three games on the weekend did, and it did have a late-game winner from Braden Point. That was a fun one for sure. We'll see if the Panthers can overcome the lightning and as uh, has been talked about they got huge boosts getting Sergachev and Stamkos back for the postseason and you don't have to worry about the salary cap once you get into the playoffs I want to remind you that you can hit the links with 630 Chet and the Ranch Golf and Country Club the course is open and we want you and a friend to golf the championship caliber ranch this summer go to the 630 Chet contest page for full details and you can win a pair of golf passes to the ranch golf and country club that is a great place to play it's 744 quick timeout inside sports on Chet. <laughs> Issued about 10 minutes ago, a severe thunderstorm warning. Here's what Environment Canada says. Meteorologists tracking a severe thunderstorm capable of producing strong wind gusts up to nickel-sized hail and heavy rain. It is located over Nisku, moving towards the northeast at 30K per hour. The thunderstorm will clip the southeast corner of Edmonton before moving towards Sherwood Park. So there's a severe thunderstorm warning. Uh, Nisku, Southeast Edmonton, Sherwood Park. That was issued about 10 minutes ago. So be on watch and uh, be very careful if you're in those areas. Garnet Hathaway has just scored for the Washington Capitals. About 12 and a half minutes to go in the third period. Capitals up 3-2 on the Boston Bruins in game two of that series. Caps took game one in overtime on Saturday. Late in the second period, last minute of the period, in fact, Predators and Hurricanes are still tied 2-2, and the Blues and the Avalanche will start at the top of the clock. Got a text here from former D-man Mark, who I always enjoy hearing from. Oh, and thank you, Shanita, for the update. Uh, the storm already hit Ellerslie Road and 50th Street. I appreciate the update. Former D-man Mark, who finished 114th in Norris Trophy voting in 1984. He says, Reed, let's just hope the game has evolved in the referee's mind. The Tampa Bay, Florida game reminded me of the Sochi Olympic hockey games. It was like they were coming in waves. Here's to seeing open hockey on Wednesday. If the Jets can't slow down Connor and Leon legally, then hopefully they'll find their way to the box over and over. That is from former D-man Mark. 
Well, that's going to be a discussion point in the series. How physical does it get? How far over the line does it get? And I think for Oilers fans, you're talking about obstruction, interference, hooking, holding, grabbing, slashing, cross-checking, especially on the two big guys, McDavid and Drysaddle. Montreal got away with quite a bit of it about a month ago at Rogers Place in splitting the two games. The fewer penalties that are called, the more it helps the Jets because the Oilers have an awesome power play and over the last half of the season, they had a really, really good penalty kill as well. So we'll see how that goes. That's a pretty good text there from Mark. This texture says, hey, Reed, Mark finished one spot ahead of me in Norris voting that year. Wow, I didn't realize we had a couple of Norris Trophy candidates from 1984 texting into the show. That's good stuff. Uh, speaking on stopping Connor and Leon, Paul Maurice is the head coach of the Jets. I'm going to answer how you stop Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle 412 times. If I'm any good, I'm going to give you 412 answers. I'm just hoping one of them's right. <laughs> there he goes. They'll they'll try 412 different ways to stop Big David and Drysaddle, and he hopes one of them works. Well, that's the thing. And Jack and I were talking about this. How what percentage? of the Jets' game plan do you think revolves around stopping McDavid and Dreisaitl? And we'll put the power play into that. 90%? Certainly at least 80, I would think. I mean, there's certainly other fundamental things they're, they're going to try to do, and there are some all-encompassing truths towards about playing successful hockey. But a lot of what they're going to do is how do you limit McDavid and Dreisaitl? Now, they're probably talking about, and Jamie Thomas referenced this, the Jets are probably talking about dumping the puck in against Mike Smith. How do you keep the puck away from him? Because that helps the Oilers break out so much. They're probably talking about that maybe even more than they are scoring on Mike Smith. How do you keep the puck away from him when you shoot it in? So those are probably the two main things the Jets coaching staff is working on in practice. How do you limit McDavid and Dreisaitl? And how can we dump the puck in and keep it away from Smith and get a forecheck going against the Oilers' defense? Because the deeper you go in the Oilers' defense core, the more you can get in on a forecheck. Paul Maurice uh, added this about taking on the Oilers in the first round. Well, they're not going to change their game a whole lot, right? The, they, they've had a really good run in the back half of their season. When Smith came into their lineup, they started to win a whole heck of a lot of games, and they're confident and they're playing well. So we always would focus on where we think a team's at and plan for their very best. And then we will look at pieces of our game that we like to get against Edmonton and there are pieces of our game that we didn't. So we want to clean those areas up and we want to make sure that we put our best foot forward in the areas that we think we can. You look at the Jets' record and, as I've said, the Oilers should be favored in this series. They won seven of the nine games. They were comfortably in second place ahead of the third-place Jets. I think the Jets are trying to sit there and say, okay, the last 12 games of the season, so about a fifth of the season, we didn't play very well. We weren't ourselves. We had some injured players. Let's move past that and start fresh. So that that's really, I think, the mental battle for the Jets more than anything. And for the Oilers, it's... And Ken Holland spoke about it today with Bob, that, that after the first nine game after the first nine games of the season in which the Oilers were three and six the Oilers were a pretty good team I mean you could even argue they were an excellent team 
And Holland spoke about it with Bob, that they became very consistent and that generally you knew what you were going to get night after night. And along the way, after the first nine games of the season, the Oilers had what, maybe three or four stinkers? Like I'm talking, not just, I'm not saying just because you lose, you played a stinker, but games where they were whipped. They got whipped in, in Montreal when they went back in there after the, the two games in Toronto, when they were in Montreal the previous week and didn't play. They got beat really bad by Calgary the day of the Colby Cave Memorial, maybe a couple other games, they didn't look that great. But a lot of the times, even when the Oilers lost, they were in the game and they were playing to expectations and close to their potential. I guess if you lose a game, you can say, well, you didn't play to your potential. But most nights, the Oilers were in it and were hanging around and even had a chance. So I, I, now the challenge for the Oilers is, okay, do that when it matters. Figure it out. Can you, can you figure out a way to win in, in a playoff series and not kind of go away when the chips are down like you did last year against the Chicago Blackhawks where the Hawks made most of the pivotal plays in the series. So the, the, that's the little the game within the game here for two teams. The Jets trying to say, hey, we're better than how we finished the season. And I think the Oilers are trying to say, okay, we've had two good regular seasons in a row. Not great regular seasons, but we've had two good regular seasons in a row. Now can we do it when it counts? And as I've said a million times, how are McDavid and Dreisaitl even going to... F- further their reputations you got to do it in the playoffs you look at players from the past they've always had that well yeah but they never won a cup until until you win a cup or have some deep playoff runs you're always going to have that hanging over you we'll keep building it up for you tomorrow here on inside sports the Oilers practice at 11 tomorrow morning don't forget bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to two inside sports again from six to eight and our coverage for the game is going to start at five o'clock on wednesday thanks to dave campbell he's the producer of the show kellen kennedy your studio operator still three two for the capitals they're halfway through the third after two hurricanes and predators tied two two my name's reed thanks for listening have a great night 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.